Hello, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. You guys are checking me out live on Block 50 Radio. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. Additionally, Block 50 Radio is all on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And do not forget, you can catch us on YouTube if you miss it live. We are wherever you listen to the podcast. Simply tell your device to play Drew Duncan Block 50 Radio. Plenty to get to. Obviously, we're going to be talking about Draymond Green. Obviously, there's going to be a lot to discuss. Games from last night, games from tonight. Let's get right into it. And I'll tell you what we're not going to get into, though. We're not going to spend time on talking about Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts and the market reset and all of those things. It's not going to happen. Okay, first of all, there's nothing that has been confirmed or denied about the alleged $200 million on a short-term deal with $133 million guaranteed versus the $174 million, all this other stuff going on. Jalen Hurts resetting the market. Okay, we're not going to get into it. The bottom line is, is as of the moment, Lamar Jackson has reportedly said that he is not going to report to spring training camp. Now, the signing of Odell Beckham Jr. may or may not be a way to try and entice him to stick around. Whatever the case may be, the Ravens went after the best possible free agent wide receiver that they could get. They got Odell Beckham Jr. And if it's not going to entice Lamar Jackson, I'm sure that there is some team out there willing to trade somebody for something. Not to mention that they've done very good and they have smartly given themselves a backup quarterback that plays very similar ball to Lamar Jackson. Not nearly as good. And I don't want to hear it. Okay, I know people are talking about petty players. I've discussed this up teen times how athletes and entertainers set markets. They are the reasons for a lot of different jobs. There's a reason why a guy has a job punching holes in tickets. It's because Lamar Jackson and people like him exist. The only reason we're talking about the Ravens is because Lamar Jackson exists. And let's not forget that as a rookie off the bench, a team with a losing record, Lamar Jackson came in, got him to the playoffs. Let's not forget that Lamar Jackson is an NFL MVP. Let's not forget these things. I don't want to hear about his playoff record because there are a lot of quarterbacks that haven't even won a playoff game, i.e. Daniel Jones, and they're getting gobs of money. Jalen Hurts' market reset doesn't necessarily affect the bargaining chip of either the Ravens or Lamar Jackson at this point. It's got literally very little to do with it, to be honest with you. He may be the highest paid player in NFL history, but he's also been to a Super Bowl. So with the market reset, it could be in favor of Lamar. But honestly, at this point, I seriously doubt it. A lot of players have held out, by the way, by not going to camps, not doing a lot of different things. So I don't want to hear, well, Lamar's showing that he's not a team guy. Look, when you want what you want, you want what you want. Lamar wants what he wants, and that's to be financially set for the rest of his life. We're not talking about a Jamarcus Russell situation. We're talking about a player who is worth his salt. Okay, Not everybody's Tom Brady. Not everybody's Patrick Mahomes. Not everybody are is these guys that come in and they automatically just start winning. I hate to break it to people, 
But the thing about winning is it's not easy. You all think it's so damn easy to be a winner, and it's not. And as far as I'm concerned, Lamar Jackson is a winner. Rap Sheet, if you saw him on the show where he was talking about it, you know, him and Pat McAfee, that whole thing, first of all, Pat McAfee looked like he was already blitzed middle of the day. Secondly, Rap Sheet said nothing with any type of confidence. And I'm not saying because somebody speaks with confidence that that automatically makes him right. But he just looked so insecure about what he was reporting on. They had to put up a breakdown from somebody else. They should have had her on the program instead of Ian Rapsheet, to be honest with you. Well, Rappaport, but, you know, Rapsheet. I'm just saying this whole thing has just gotten really bizarre and kind of out of control, and I really don't want to talk about it until we have a set in stone, this is it, this is the offer, this is what's going on, turn it down, accept it, here's where we are, boom. I honestly don't want to talk about it until a deal is either done with the Ravens or not done and it's done with somebody else. I mean, these are just the bottom lines of this situation. And you can hate on Lamar all you want to. I personally don't give a damn. I support Lamar. Because if you've got Daniel Jones getting the kind of money that he's got, then you absolutely should pay Lamar Jackson. And I don't want to hear Lamar Jackson is a, is a running back playing quarterback. Because Josh Allen ran the football more than Lamar did, and ain't nobody saying Josh Allen is a running back playing quarterback. Josh Allen had, what, 22 turnovers last season? I mean, people are talking about his numbers. Let's not forget Lamar Jackson got hurt, and Josh Allen got to play more games. And on top of that, he still had 22 turnovers in the season. What was it, 17 interceptions and five fumbles? Not to mention that football game against the Vikings where he had, what, five turnovers somewhere in that neighborhood in that football game alone, including the interception that lost the football game in overtime. So I really don't want to hear everybody being braggadocious about Josh Allen and saying that Josh Allen is a better quarterback than Lamar. Because if you want to break it down, what has Josh Allen done? What Super Bowl has he been to? So I'm really sick and damn tired of that comparison. I'm just keeping it real. So I'm over it. That's all there is to that. Yeesh. All right. Moving on. Draymond Green. Anybody even see that whole thing and how it went down? First of all, let's not forget that Sabonis was begging for fouls and flopping all night long. And then on top of that, was trying to bully everybody down in the post. Come on. And that alleged, people are calling it a curb stomp. Are you serious? Apparently, a lot of you have never seen anybody get curb stomped before. Because anybody who watched that play knows that, first of all, Sabonis was holding on to Draymond's foot knowing damn good and well that he was trying to get down for a fast break opportunity. He was purposely holding him. And then Draymond just gave him a little love tap to let him know, hey, bro, you're not going to play dirty like that with me, especially with a dirty player. And, you know, Sabonis overacting. He was fine. And let's not forget, okay, the x-rays came up negative. 
Supposedly, there's going to be more testing. He played fine. He did good. Everybody's okay. Let's all calm down. And just be honest for a minute that the reason that you're all over Draymond Green right now is because he's an easy target. He's an easy target because of what happened before the season began with the Warriors, that video that we all saw of him throwing the punch, okay? He's an easy target because of all the times he's gone with a kick to the giblets, all right? I don't condone anybody going for the meat and potatoes. What I'm telling you is that he's an easy target given his history. But we have to look at every situation individually. And in this particular situation, I'm sorry, I just feel like Draymond was overpunished. Sabonis got a flagrant one, but they gave Draymond a flagrant two, thanks in part to the academy performance from Sabonis. That is what that really amounted to. And don't pretend that Sabonis didn't know. Don't pretend that he didn't know that if he did that with Draymond's history, that it was going to turn out the way that it did. That was a calculated risk from Sabonis. You got to give it to him. It worked out in his favor. But ejecting Draymond Green for that was just way too much. Now we're going to see a fine. Now we're going to see all this nonsense. You know, I I just, I got to tell you, the fact that he's such an easy target is what is playing into all this. Sabonis is well aware of it. They interviewed him after the game. They didn't even bring it up in the initial post-game interview. And he was all smiles and cheeky, and he looked just fine to me. Look, folks, it's basketball. You know, we always talk about, man, I miss the 80s and the 90s when it was physical and it was tough. And, you know, people glorify Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, dude gut-checked him. And so Abdul-Jabbar just came with a swinging, swinging haymaker. Went for the gusto. People, yeah, that's basketball. Remember when they were rivals? The Jordan rules with the Pistons, the way that they mauled him beat him down physically, they were willing to take the calls. They didn't care. They just pounded him and pounded him and pounded him. Oh, man, remember that was basketball. What did Jordan do? He came back the next season and he built his body up and then he won the NBA Finals and the Pistons were so bitter that, you know, they walked off the court and didn't shake anybody's hand. That's right. That's what you get. That's payback. What happened to that discussion? I hate Christian Leitner. Has anybody seen that? Now, all of a sudden, though, it's, well, no, that's not basketball. Draymond's a disgusting player. He's a disgrace of the game. Look, man, I am a Knicks fan, and I am telling you right now, I would want Draymond Green on the Knicks. That's all there is to it. Matter of fact, me and a homie was talking about it last night. I'm not crazy. Draymond Green is an important piece to the puzzle, and let's not pretend that him getting thrown out of that basketball game didn't affect the overall outcome. Because it definitely did. 
You need Draymond for rebounds. You need an enforcer on your basketball team. You need somebody who's willing to go in and make the tough plays. You need somebody who's willing to go in and be in the crossfire and be in the crosshairs and willing to do things that other people are not willing to do to help with fast breaks, to help push the rock up, because Golden State is struggling right now. They are down 0-2 in this series. Do not pretend that Draymond not being in there was not a factor in how they ended up losing that basketball game. You don't just need him for offensive rebounds. You need him for defensive rebounds. You don't just need him for points. You need him for defensive play. You need him because he is good with ball movement. Draymond Green is a great player, whether anybody likes it or not. There's a reason why the Warriors have held on to him for as long as they have. And I know somebody out there right now is going to go, well, man, you know, how many times do you defend the guy? And when do you just throw your hands up and say to hell with it? And, you know, I could care less about what Kendrick Perkins has to say about it at this point, to be honest. All he does is bash the Warriors. You know, all he does is bash Draymond Green. And I, I'm just – I don't want to hear it about how it's time to break up the band. Folks, they just won their fourth title last year. They made the playoffs again. They nearly won 50 games this season. Come on. I don't want to hear that the dynasty is over. It's not over until it's actually over. Are the Warriors in a bad situation right now? Absolutely they are. This is not a good look. I'm not going to pretend that it is. It's not a good look. At all for Golden State. They are in a bad situation. But you know what, though? You can always crawl out of it. Now, whether or not they're going to move on from Draymond, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that maybe the Warriors don't throw their hands up and go, dude, we just can't anymore. I'm not going to pretend like that's not a possibility. What I'm saying is until it actually happens, then we'll see it happen. But let's not pretend that this wasn't one of the greatest dynasties in basketball history. Four rings. Four. That's why they keep throwing it up. And I know a lot of people, well, focus on the next one. Focus on the next one. That's your whole problem. You're focused on the past four. Y'all act like it was 10 years ago that they won the fourth ring. Every time we have this conversation about Golden State's dynasty being over, they end up winning a title. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be this year. But we will see about next season. Every time, I'm just saying, it's clockwork. When this conversation begins, Golden State does something to change the game. Let's give Steve Kerr a little credit here. Let's give Draymond and Clay and Steph their due respect. Willfully disrespecting these franchise, this franchise, specifically the guys that have made that franchise what it is, is just mind-boggling to me. How people are just so quick to run their damn mouths. Look, bottom line, I'm not saying what Draymond did was okay, but what I'm saying is, is if anybody believes that little love tap really hurts the bonus that bad, then I have a beachfront property that I would love to sell you in Wisconsin. 
I'm just saying. Both were in the wrong as far as I'm concerned. But it is basketball. Two men went after each other in the heat of the moment. One guy got ejected. It was easy to do what predicated upon his history. If you don't want to believe that, it's too bad. And every situation needs to be looked at individually. This isn't like other scenarios. I mean, what's Draymond supposed to do? Just allow him to hang on to him? What if he trips and falls? Doing that doesn't just put Draymond and Sabonis at risk because now, you know, they're just laying there and and squirming around and Sabonis trying to play it off like he's not doing anything. He could have got himself stomped on by another player by accident. What if somebody's, you know, looking for the rock and as they're running, they hit Draymond in in the back of the head or something and now he falls down and he gets hurt? I mean, anything could happen. It's basketball. When guys are moving around, colliding at high speeds in what is a small contained area, things can happen. Let's not pretend that Sabonis wasn't playing dirty basketball. Let's not pretend that he didn't put the other team or players, pardon me, all players considered on the court at that time at risk. And let's not pretend he wasn't jerking around. Come on. All right. We are moving on from that situation. By the way, the Warriors. Well, anyway. Over it. By the way, I am Drew Duncan. This is Block 50 Radio. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. Block 50 Radio is online. Block50radio.com. Or wherever you're listening to podcasts. Google, Spreaker, iHeart, iTunes, etc. We are wherever you listen to the podcast. So if I tell your device to play Block 50 Radio. Plenty more to get to. Clippers and the Suns tonight. I tell you what, man. You know, Russell Westbrook is just kind of like that super petty ex. You know, you've moved on. You've done great things with your life. You're happy. You're in a better place. You've had a lot of success. Anytime anything remotely bad happens, they love it. They eat it up. And every time they see you, they just feel the need to show out. He's just a petty ex. Did you see the way that they played the first game? Now, look, I'll give it to Westbrook because he made some defensive plays that ultimately help affect that basketball game, especially at the end when he helped put it away. But just the way that he was every time KD was on the ground and the look on his face and, you know, just the the petty, you could just feel it dripping from him. He's still so bitter about Oklahoma City. Bro, how long ago was it? And by the way, offensively, what did Westbrook do in that game that anybody went, wow, nothing? In fact, not one damn thing. KD got up to a slow start, still put up 27. Who's winning the battle? Who's winning the war? When it comes to these two, ultimately, KD is still winning the war. I hate to break it to you, but let's not forget that he's an NBA Finals MVP and he's an NBA Finals champion. 
Well, he joined the Warriors. Yeah, I, look, I've discussed this umpteen times, and I'm not getting in to the team play aspect of basketball. Everybody commended the San Antonio Spurs for doing it. The Golden State Warriors did it with Kevin Durant, and you would swear that Kevin Durant is the world's biggest a-hole. Why? Because he got tired of seeing Westbrook play offensively the way that he did in game number one. You think this is new stuff to KD? No. He played with the man firsthand, saw it straight up. Hey, bro, I'm open. Westbrook's like, three guys on me or pass it to KD. I think I'll shoot it with three guys on me from 40 feet out. Make it make sense. And James Harden at the time was a problem. He was a turnover nightmare. How many times did the the Thunder have double-digit leads against the Cavs and blow them because Harden couldn't hold on to the Rock? Was it three games? I don't want to hear it. Westbrook is so petty. Petty to the point where it's pitiful. And I think KD's honestly just kind of throwing up his hands like, bro, I'm not even doing this with you anymore, man. I can't. And we all know what that's like, having that petty ex. Where for a while you entertain it, but after a while you just go, I can't do this. And you just... Face palm yourself in the head like I'm done. Can't. I won't. This is idiocy. We're we're drowning each other. Nobody's lifting anybody up in this situation. I think Wes really needs to get over it, my man. As far as the actual game goes tonight, look, uh, I'm going to tell you something. Let's not forget that Kawhi had 38 in the last one. Kawhi's playing out of his mind. That's another guy that gets a lot of unnecessary hate in the NBA. 38 in the last one. Westbrook making those defensive plays. It worked. But I got to tell you, you know, one of the things that is really disappointing about the Phoenix Suns this season is, did you know that they're last in the NBA? They're only getting 10 fast break, point, uh, 10 fast break points a game. 10 coming into the playoffs. In the game one, I think they had 25, if I remember correctly. And I got to tell you, I think Sham is going to get a little bit more playing time tonight. I think he had 22, 23, 24 minutes, somewhere in that neighborhood in the last game. He only scored four points, but he was responsible for a lot of fast break points because of his defense, because of the way he was running the floor, because he was out hustling everybody else, because of the way he was you know, passing the rock himself, a couple of assists in that game. I got to tell you. If Phoenix is able to continue to push the ball up the court, this series is far from over. I think Shambit needs more playing time. Look, I have always said that WSU players, when they were under, well, should I say the name? <laughs> As a guy from Wichita, I, I got to tell you, Greg Marshall, it's it's a real divided area, but, you know, be that as it may, the one thing that I always said about his players where you were going to get good defense and a lot of hustle. It's true when you see Van Fleet. It's true when you see Shamit. And I got to tell you, I, I think that if they put him in for a longer period of time defensively, he can really do some great things. Uh, let's not forget in that first game, he was deed up on Westbrook a couple of times and West couldn't score on him. And West was trying to bully him in on the post, down low, deep inside, and could not score on Shamit. I'm telling you right now, if I am the Phoenix Suns, 
I'm starting him tonight. I'm starting him because we need the defense if I'm the Phoenix Suns. I think it's a very good combination. I think they're going to figure out uh, who the best players that can play together and maximize their potential. I think that's who they're going to look for tonight. I'm telling you, if I'm Phoenix, I'm doing something different in the rotation. And I am starting Shamit. I would come out with Booker, Shamit, KD, CP3. That would be my starting lineup. Going small really worked for them in game one. I I don't know why they chose to really get away from it, but the bench was amazing for the Phoenix Suns. And they were able to get fast break points when, again, they were the worst in the league and they had more fast break points than the Clippers. Now, if I'm L.A., I'm telling you what, I'm sticking with it, and I'm telling him, Russ, man, I don't necessarily want you putting it up unless it is, like, really there, and I mean really, really there, but I want you moving the rock around. I want you to distribute and dish. I want you to look for Kawhi, get, you know, doubles down low, slash at the basket when he's doubled up in the post. That way you can get easy dunks, and defensively, I want you to keep doing what you're doing because defensively what Westbrook did was working. First quarter, he was great. Second and third quarter, kind of not there. Fourth quarter, late in the football or basketball game, pardon me, when they needed him the most, that was when he came up with some extraordinary plays. That's my game plan. And I- I'm telling you, you you're going to have to put it on Kawhi's back offensively for the most part. And he doesn't have a problem with that. Kawhi can get you 35 a night, no problem. I think that we forget that Kawhi was one of the reasons the San Antonio Spurs won an NBA title. I think people forget that Kawhi is one of the reasons, especially during the regular season, why the Raptors walked away with an NBA title. Was he spectacular in those finals? No. But because of the way that, you know, everybody was – so focused on Kawhi, that helped everybody else. And they stepped up and they made plays when they had to. I'm looking at that tape if I'm Los Angeles. I'm looking at that because I've got somewhat of a similar basketball team. Westbrook is explosive. To me, Westbrook would be better suited if he would just slash to the basket. Off of some pick and rolls, off of some doubles down low. You know, get guys in the post and and let him use his burst to be able to get there. Just quick little easy toss to him. Money. And then let him all over the place defensively. You could almost go with a box 4-1 and just let him roam around the, the court. Keep everybody on the perimeter and force Phoenix to stay to the outside. Don't let him run any plays because, you know, we know that CP3 is going to try and slash to the basket. You know, he's very slick the way he maneuvers in pockets. So if I'm the Clippers, that's the, that's the approach I'm taking. 
And if I'm Phoenix, like I said, I, I'm starting Shamit tonight. And I'm at bare minimum, I'm giving him more playing time. The way he played defensively, and I got to tell you, the way he opened up those fast break points, again, 25 fast break points for the Phoenix Suns overall, a team that was last in the league. And you're going to have to figure out something, especially defensively, because you know who you got to stop. Do you really think the Clippers have enough firepower, even with Westbrook? I mean, let's be honest. Westbrook either scores 38 or he scores five. I mean, seriously. So there you go. Uh, On to last night again. Not going to be talking about the Warriors again. No worries. I'm not going to repeat that whole thing. You know, the 76ers in game one hit 21 threes. Last night, I think they hit another 11. They've got over 33 pointers in this in this series already. And they have played very sound basketball defensively. Now, I know it doesn't look like it because, you know, they got 100, or they gave up 100 in game number one, but a lot of that was garbage time points. They only gave up 84 last night. And while they didn't eclipse 100, I got to tell you, one of the things that I've been the most impressed with is James Harden. I don't think I've ever seen him look this good in the playoffs. Game one, he had a double-double. What was it, 23 and 13? 13 assists. Not the normal, just put it up, this is my game, James Harden. Selfish basketball. I didn't see that at all. He has really been putting his guys in good situations with the assist. And let's not forget last night, Joel Embiid, what did he go, 20 and 19? 19 rebounds, man. You know, it's basketball 101. Do you have any idea how important rebounds are? Getting rebounds means we're not giving the other team second chance points. Getting rebounds means we're giving ourselves second-chance points. That's what that amounts to. And when you get rebounds like that and you don't give up second-chance points, guess what? The other team doesn't even score 90 points. It is basketball 101. I can't tell you how many times in my career as a sports journalist I have preached to the masses Basketball basics will always win games. You play solid defense, you rebound, you use motion plays offensively, and you use everything in the meantime as a way to create fast break points by either getting turnovers, rebounds, whatever the case may be. You create those openings because when you play sound defense, you create turnovers. You force bad shots, so then you get easy rebounds. When you get easy rebounds, Now you've got fast break, or you could slow it down, take your time, control the pace of the game, set your offense, run plays, let Harden distribute the pill wherever he wants to. I'm telling you right now, if the 76ers continue to play like this, they are going to be difficult for anybody to stop, and that includes Boston.
poo. <laughs> we'll get into that a little bit later, but I, I'm just telling you right now, this is the best that I think I've seen the 76ers look all year. And it's definitely the best that I've ever seen James Harden look. I mean, come on, how many times when he was with OKC or Houston did we talk about the turnovers? I mean, he he broke the turnover record, no problem one year. How many times did we talk about how great they're going to get to the playoffs and Harden's going to get 45 and they're going to lose the series 4-1? to one? How many times have we talked about him being a selfish ball player? How many times have we talked about him not really caring and just getting his numbers and, you know, just really blowing it, not being huge in crunch time, not making the big shots? How many times have we all talked about James Harden being that guy? If we're going to talk about him when he is that guy, we got to talk about him when he's this, this guy, when he's being the beard. This is literally the best basketball I have ever seen him play. And he's not even the main focus of this team right now, which is really helpful for him. It's almost like he needed a Joel or something like that this entire time. I just have never seen him so focused, so dialed in, just confident, dripping from him. I love the way he's playing right now. I mean, if this is the, if this would have been Dre, you know, or pardon me, James Harden in Oklahoma City, they probably would have blown out the Cavs. And I don't think there's really any ifs, ands, or buts about it. And even if he would have ended up in Houston regardless, and play like this, they might have got a title. This is the best defensive team right now so far in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference, maybe even in the NBA. People who know me know that I'm not the type of dude to just, like, jump the gun, start saying outlandish things. It's hard to argue with only giving up 84. It's hard to argue with 19 rebounds from one guy alone. It's hard to argue the way James Harden is playing. It's hard to argue that Joel Embiid isn't one of the best players in the NBA and that he is showing it right now. It's hard to argue that the 76ers aren't playing the consummate team game of basketball. Show me where they're not. It's hard to argue that getting rid of Ben Simmons wasn't the best thing that they may have done in the last 10 years other than draft Joel Embiid. It's hard to argue all of those things. Trust the process. Trust the process. Remember that, how quickly we forget that. Look, bottom line, if I'm the 76ers, I'm not really looking to change anything. 
I'm not looking to change anything at all. As a matter of fact, I am looking to do exactly what I've been doing because I just feel like they've got their number. I want to end this series quick. I want it to be 4-0. I want to keep my guys level-headed and grounded. I want them to keep playing some bully basketball, which is what they're doing. And I damn sure, and I mean this, I damn sure want them to keep moving the pill the way that they are and dominating the glass. Does everybody remember when they talked about the Spurs being too old and all this? It's funny how basketball basics just seem to work. It may not be flashy. It may not make the highlight reels. But you know what it'll get you? A big old fat ring on you. And a lot of bonus money. And a lot of respect. And a lot of love from your fans. You know, I've always said it doesn't matter if it's exciting or boring. Winning is winning. And winning is what puts butts in the seats. I'm telling you right now, if they keep playing like this, they're going back to the they're going to the finals. That's all there is to it. And the West is not that sharp this season. You had Dallas way up and then way down. Memphis way up and then way down. The Lakers were able to sneak into a spot. How good are they really? And especially with what's going on with, you know, Anthony Davis and, you know, the injuries and all those things. I mean, for my money, the Clippers and the Suns are probably the two best teams and their record wouldn't even suggest that. You could maybe throw out Memphis and John Morant, but his injury. You play like this, you're going to get a title. It's all there is to it. All right, moving on. All right, so the Knicks, isn't it crazy how you can win a basketball game and play pretty good defensively? Right and play pretty good offensively, and yet still be an underdog going into the next game. <laughs> I think on on ESPN I saw it was like a sixty percent chance somewhere in that neighborhood that the Cavs are going to win the game tonight. So I guess they're calling the Knicks win a fluke is the direction they're going with that, which I don't understand because Brunson and Randall played pretty good. Now obviously Randall didn't have his typical game, but. The Knicks did have their typical game rebounding the basketball. Again, they come in averaging 34 a game, which is fourth best in the NBA. Again, folks, the basics, they help you win games. Whether you like it or not, it's the way that it is. And honestly, that day of basketball, that was the best game that we really got all day long. All the blowouts that happened, I mean, at least that was an entertaining game to watch. Donovan Mitchell is going to do his thing. It's going to be about other guys needing to step up around him. That's what it's going to amount to. 
I know that a lot of people are, you know, giving Donovan Mitchell that kind of rap that he can't get it done in the playoffs the same way that they've done with Harden, which has been justified, the same way that they've done it with Westbrook, which has been justified. But I just feel like Donovan Mitchell is a bit of a different player. And he makes teams that he plays for relevant again. How relevant were the Utah Jazz before Donovan Mitchell showed up? And how relevant were the Cleveland Cavaliers before Donovan Mitchell showed up? How good were the Cavs before he got there? I'll wait. You know, the point of the matter is simply this. He's a good basketball player. But it's going to take more than him in this particular situation to win because the Knicks, they're really not a star-powered basketball team. You could look at Randall, you could look at Brunson, but I mean, outside of that, do you really look and go, man, they're just mega stars on that team. They're locked, they're loaded, they've got so many different guys who can do so many different things. Do you really see that when you start talking about the New York Knicks? Of course you don't. Now, the same could be said for the Cleveland Cavaliers. But Donovan Mitchell is a star player. They have at least that one guy. But how far by himself can he really take this basketball team? That's going to be the thing for the rest of this series. You know, defensively, they really didn't play that bad. A couple of things go one way or the other. You're potentially looking at a different basketball game. Maybe that's why they're saying the Cavs should get the dub tonight. Well, I'm not saying that they will or won't. What I am saying is this. They're going to have to figure out a way to get some other guys involved. Now, obviously, 14 points and 14 assists in the game. Okay, so nice little double-double. And assists are huge. Distributing the rock is a thing, making sure that the ball's getting passed around the right way, seeing guys in the open floor, all those good things. I could go on and on and on. There's a lot of ins and outs to it, but the bottom line is it's big. But I think they're going to have to win this game on the boards. If they're able to do that, they can beat the Knicks. I mean, if they're able to do that, they should be able to come back and take the series, to be perfectly honest with you. But you've got to beat New York on the glass in order to beat them. And if you can't do that, well, then you're just not going to win the game. It's pretty much all there is to it. There are teams that can slide by because they have enough firepower offensively to where they can make up the inability to rebound with points. But if you don't have somebody that, can get you more than 40 every single night, which I'm not saying Donovan Mitchell couldn't because he certainly could, but he's going to need somebody else to get about 25 or 30. Because if you're not going to be able to beat him on the glass, you're going to have to score a lot of points. That means every shot you take has got to go in. So what do you do? You give yourself easy looks. You press down inside the middle, and that is where I think the Cavs need to really focus on their game. I'm playing post-up basketball. That's what I'm going to do if I'm if I'm the Cavs. Because we know that the focal point is going to be Donovan Mitchell.
conversely, if I'm the Knicks, I'm running some zone defense. I know it's really not seen a lot in the NBA, but I got to tell you, it works. You don't believe me. Ask Jim Beheim, and I know somebody's going to, well, that's a collegiate level. Well, we've seen it work in the NBA, too. You can go 2-2-1. Two, two, you can go 2-3. You can go 3-2. Whatever it is, I want to keep them on the outside. I want to force bad looks. And I don't want Donovan Mitchell slashing and creating plays, and I certainly don't want anybody posting up down low on me. So that way they can either go for a kick out or get an easy two on a layup or a hook shot or whatever the case may be on the inside. You know, one of the good things about the Knicks that I will say, and this is something that I think will continue to favor them in the series, is the kind of lost art of hitting those mid-range jumpers. That's where the Knicks were so successful other than just rebounding. From the Knicks, I'm not really changing a whole lot up. You know, I know that years ago I said that the reason why Dwayne Casey was fired from the Raptors was because he didn't change anything, but that was because they had a mega star in LeBron that they were playing against, and LeBron was saying, hey, look, you're supposed to be here, you were supposed to be there, and since you were out of position, this is why we were able to create the play. Well, they forced him out of that position. If the Knicks are able to maintain their discipline, keep doing what they're doing, winning on the glass, getting other guys to step up and get points like we saw from Brunson, and that way Randall doesn't have to do it all by himself, you know, scoring the ball all the time, well, then they could probably sweep the series, just being honest. So there's that. Uh, Boston, I believe they're on tonight too, aren't they? They're already up 1-0. You know, I, I got to tell you, for my money, Boston, if they don't sweep this series, uh, that's going to be a difficult look for them. It should be a sweep. You know, I love the Bulls. You know, kind of a childhood thing, right? Uh, but I, I just don't see it. Of course, then again, to be fair, you know, I don't think any of us were really Bulls fans when I was growing up. I think we were all just Michael Jordan fans, being honest. being honest. I like watching them play. They're a tough team, but I just, I don't think that they've got anything that they could do to keep up with Boston. I just don't. So there's that. All right, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. This is Block 50 Radio. Do not forget that Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all Block 50 Radio. Do not forget that we're online, block50radio.com. Additionally, we are wherever you're listening to podcasts, Google Podcasts, iTunes, iHeart, Spreaker, etc. Wherever you are listening to podcasts, we are there. Simply tell your device to play Block 50 Radio. Guys, I am out of here. Plenty to discuss, obviously, as the week continues with the playoffs. Obviously, we're getting ready for the NFL draft. All that to discuss. And, of course, interviews, etc. Guys, stay safe and take care of yourselves.